0: we'll start by asking good people what their favorite matthew broderick movie is because i'm sure a lot of them will not be able to name one
1: that's it ages us it does
0: no not even that it's just the fact that like he hasn't really done any any good movies except the cable guy
1: i mean let's be real the producers was great yeah.
0: he just it's like who there's I, I don't know there's been there's a couple actors where it's like how they managed to be actors like Brad Pitt aside from a handful of movies, Brad Pitt is so monotone and just like the lights are on, but no one's home kind of thing. Like, see, I, don't... And
1: see, I, I, I love Brad Pitt. I think he's fantastic. I, I watched this whole like, f- like mini fake back like garage documentary on why he's always eating in every movie. And there's just like a bunch of different reasons as to why he's always eating in every scene of every movie. Hilarious.
0: I don't know, like his character in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I feel like that's like 80% of his movies. Is that, that Sure,
1: guy? sure. I mean, but just when you're kinda... typecast to be Brad Pitt, I mean, oh. why wouldn't you just you have know, don't don't stray away from a good thing, right? But hands down, we were just talking about this off air. The best Matthew Broderick movie of all time is The Freshman. If you haven't watched it and you're a Herper, you have to watch The Freshman. Especially if you like mob movies. So this is Snakes and Stogie's episode number 152. My name is Phil Wolf, and as always, I am joined by the voluptuous Smitty, the Justin of the Smiths, who's lighting his Stogie in a flaming fashion. Flaming as in fire, not as in the other. I mean, <laughs> a little bit of both. It's cool. What are we smoking, Smitty?
0: Well, if I can get it lit all the way. It's a... Uh... Undercrown 10, but oh, nice. It is not just any Undercrown 10. I, w- I worked a Drew Estate event over the weekend, and um, Pedro Gomez, who is the spokesperson for the factory in, in Esteli, wow. has these like two packs that you can only get at events that he's at. I smoked Look one of them that. yesterday, so this is the other one. Um, it's, it's a regular 10. I don't think there's anything different about it except the, the size. So That's awesome. I mean, it's whatever, and it's, it's a damn good cigar. I think it's cool. What do, you, what do you have?
1: So tonight, I actually, um, I'm going to do a little cross-promotion since that kind of seems oh. to be the theme of things. Um, so I have a local gun shop by me called The Smoking Gun. Uh, they're in Davie, Florida. If you happen to go into South Florida and you're in the Fort Lauderdale-Davie area, check them out. The Smoking Gun. But not only do they do firearms, they also do tobacco. And they have a full smoke shop. Like
0: The only thing missing is alcohol.
1: Well, and here's the kicker. They're so boutique that they even have Roma. Oh, and they're like the last shop in my like,
0: what are their, what are Tri county area? area?
1: I have no, I haven't been to the shop. I'm friends oh, with them it. through the gun stuff. Um, and they have a, their own tobacco line, which is actually called Veterans Tobacco. Um, this particular, the, the main line that they came out with is Veterans of Tobacco, Handmade Premium, blah, blah, blah. But it's called True Believer and they gave me a handful of robustos nice so we're going to give it a good. whirl they did a pigtail on it which i'm not a, i just broke it i just broke the pigtail that's great i was going to say i'm not a big on the head not, on the head oh well, And it's meant, uh, be, it's meant to be broken
0: yeah still
1: all right we're going to try it out though so
0: uh, well we always talk about how much we love cigars with coffee here here so what a better way to sort of meld reptiles, coffee, and cigars than by our guest this week, uh McKendrick and Trey of cold blooded caffeine. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we are sort of in the process of, of getting something together. Um you know we haven't solidified anything yet, but um in the near future, be on the lookout for a uh a teaming up of sorts. A collaboration, if you will. A collaboration. That's the word I was looking for.
1: Yeah. Now, before we get going, I got to ask. Are hard. I got to ask. So, Trey, is yep. your actual name Trey or are you it the is, third? It is not. <laughs> it is not. No. You're the, you're the third, aren't you? But my government name is James. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because you're the third Trey that I know. Yes. And you're, and all three of you are third in line, like third name. Third. Yes. Yes. I am the third. Yeah. <clears throat> Creepy
0: that you know that. <laughs> or that you would even guess that's a kind of a random it, well it's it
1: just funny because like no one's ever actually named trey, you know but i, I yeah i've never met i've met one
2: person and i, I mean I kind of seek out other trays <laughs> you know um <laughs> because it's not all that common, so I seek yeah. out other trays and i've only met one other tray that's name was actually trey oh, really? the only tray that i know who spells their name t r a y instead of oh, that's A-R-A-Y. weird.
0: That's crazy. Hmm. The see. drummer for Green Day spells his with an E with like an apostrophe on it. Yeah. Or like a. I'm, I'm not that cool. I can't, I can't pull that off. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's great. Well, it's good to have you guys on the show.
0: Appreciate it.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us.
0: us. Yeah. So they are sort of, we had uh, Ryan Reed on recently on THP to talk about Slate Reed and the raffle, which is actually still going on. Please go check that out. um. Uh, at our website, the networkcom We will be drawing everything live next Monday. And it's going to be awesome. Things are filling up still. We've raised up a ton of money so far. And there's still plenty of things you can hop in on. Um, I'll be sure to sort of post about it more this week, just to remind everybody. But uh, that's going to be a good live show. when We draw, draw for everything. Um, really awesome stuff that, that I'm excited to get in people's hands. So check that out.
1: It's definitely our most jam-packed event for for obvious reasons. And everything on there is is awesome stuff, and it's going to an awesome cause. So, yeah.
0: But Ryan Reed is in the Somerville area, uh, which is up the coast for me and Jake, uh, and as are Trey McKendrick and Cold Bloody Caffeine so it kind of it's awesome i originally sort of hit him up just in case you know i periodically i'll, I'll kind of go through on the palmetto coast instagram and scan around and if i think there's someone that might be interested in in shirts you know i'm gonna hit them up and that's what i did with with these gentlemen and you know that sparked a sort of a conversation of teaming up and uh Can people buy slots still? If so, can we use something besides PayPal? Um, If you can message me on Instagram or Facebook, we can figure something out. I use PayPal out of convenience, but might be able to work work something out. I'm not keeping that king, Jason. It's not happening. Someone's going to get the king. I know it is. Name me. I swear, I swear. If someone wins that and they're like, "You can keep it," I'm picking another person, and whoever that gets picked, that they're they're getting it. The king does not stay.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, it's someone who keeps cow kings and they want to add it to their uh, their arsenal. Hopefully. Hopefully,
0: hopefully. Don't know what kind of sick individual would like that, but to each their own. Oh come on, man. So, um, yeah, we started talking about about some sort of collaboration and um, I didn't realize they were right up the coast you know until I, I did some some digging and I think that's really cool it'd be awesome to get up that way and visit Ryan and and you guys as well and sort of see the operation and stuff and for sure uh, you should have put in on it Matt
1: it actually it sounds like a pretty awesome facility you guys got <clears throat> we do yeah I mean
2: we're so we're actually we're in the process of moving facilities right now so it's we're a good actually thing. yeah so we're, we're upgrading facilities so we're going from um kind of a more of a warehouse type environment to like a. I mean this facility uh has like a lobby and offices as well as a warehouse and roasting facility so yeah uh, big step up big deal so we're we're in process of moving but hopefully here in the next couple of months we'll have everything situated awesome awesome
0: yeah um so it's it's sort of interesting. I I think kind of what you guys are doing is is a little more so than us, but similar mm-hmm. in the fact that you're bringing two things that that on paper sort of wouldn't go together, but you know you figured out a way to sort of tie them. Um, yeah. So what's sort of the background with with reptiles? Um, I know Trey, you mentioned you had some stuff, McKendrick, Are yeah. you keeping anything? Are you?
3: No, Trey has enough for both of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Easily, when you start
3: getting into the hundreds, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, so. I'll let you have that. <laughs> I'll, you know, kind of maintain this lane over here of uh, the coffee and coffee business. But uh,
2: yeah, so I mean, I, I've run a reptile business for 12 years, I think. So, um, you know, mostly doing local events. Um, my reptile business is Holy City Reptiles. So um, based out of the Charleston area. Um, And primarily I I work with large colubrids. Um, So Yeah. uh, yeah, So like uh, Chinese king rats are one of my favorites. Um, I do false water cobras. I do bull snakes. Um, But I mean, I've, our, our collection is pretty diverse. I've bred everything from Dumeril's boas, rosy boas. I've done Chinese cave geckos. I've done green anoles. I've done, I mean, Pretty much the spectrum: boas, pythons, you the know, gauntlet. The, yeah, yeah, the gauntlet. So um, I've kind of found my lane. I was one of those people that you know got into a little bit of everything and then started to narrow back down. So that's where I'm. I think right now I'm. I've got a couple of odden in things, um, but mostly it's those larger body colubrids. The I've got a couple of Kribos and some Texas indigos as well. So awesome. Um, kind of kind of fitting into that lane. That's but, great. And I mean, I I I've been doing it like I said for twelve years. I started out uh, doing ball pythons. Did that exclusively for six or seven years, and then you know moved move on to you know something that moved around a little bit more. Uh, nothing against ball pythons, but uh, you know, moved on to some some different things. Um, That's so, good, yeah. man. That's yeah. good.
0: I went over to my buddy Justin Olson's house, who lives on sort of the opposite direction of you guys, you know, more South of me. And he, he just got some ball pythons too. And, you know, he was showing me some of them. He only got a handful of them, but I, you know, I told him, I was like, as as much of a hard time as these things get, like they are cool snakes. And like, that is something where it's like, I could see myself getting just a, a pair, of just basic, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing super expensive, but just some cool looking, um, like Elijah day. He has some bamboo stuff that I like and some highway stuff. And, some of the GHI stuff is pretty nice. You know, there's like, there's a handful of things where like I can identify them sort of. And then it's like, once you get into the combos, I'm clueless, but like holding one, I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember how, how these things are are actually cool and why they're so popular, you know, it makes sense. And
2: and we still work with them as a business. I mean, we still have 50 or so ball pythons as, as a business. I have a business partners other than McKendrick that I work with on the, on the reptile side. So um, most of that stuff is at their place, but, uh, we we do still work with with the ball pythons. We do some crested geckos, some some things again. And as we get into the conversation, you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, one of our missions with the coffee company is bridging the gap between coffee and reptiles and introducing people to 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 reptiles through coffee. And and I like to do the same thing with the reptiles as well. Um, I, I like to have as a reptile business some of those beginner species um, because I love the interactions. Um, with those entry-level customers coming in and holding a a ball python for the first time. Because, I mean, I love my Chinese king rats and my false water cobras. (laughs) I am not giving that to a (laughs) seven-year-old with their first snake, right? So
1: so, Come on, man, uh, live a
2: little. Time to separate the boys from the men. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, to bridge that gap, I, I do, I do like having those more entry level animals of uh, that we can initiate those communications with. So. Well,
1: the minute you pop out more Texas indigos, you let me know because I need a girl. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got you.
0: I also, while I was at Olson's, got to got to play with a a basin emerald for the first time ever. Oh, really? Ooh. Got to have it in my hands. Yeah. It's so bizarre how mellow they are. Like he opens the tub and they're like just come out checking it out. Like,
1: was it radioactive? Did it glow when you open the tub?
0: It kind of. I don't. Dude, they
1: have that glow, man. I, I just. I,
0: I blacked out for like five, five minutes. I don't even remember.
1: That's cool, man. That's awesome.
0: His are still small, but like he pulled it out. And dude, one of them is is you know obviously really nice, but then he has another one that has a little more white on it and like that sort of frosting that goes down the back. Just oh like, yeah. Oh, my God. And he's like, dude, they're like, he's like, they've never even tried to bite me. Like, they don't do anything. They just, they come right out, like, right off the perch. Just come. It, it was cool. That's awesome. So, I, I've only seen basins, like, through, tub like, like containers and, and glass at, at zoos and stuff like that. So, it was it was magical. But I got a brettles from him, too. He had a brettles he was getting rid of. Oh, nice. Um, so, I have a brettles again, and it feels feels good. Good. I put it in my hands, and I was like... That's, that's what I miss. It just feels right. It
1: just feels right. Yep.
0: But I did see sort of on that note of, of like having species that you kind of, you know, introduce people to, like, I've seen you guys do some events and stuff outside of uh, like shows and whatnot. Do you guys usually bring sort of animals with you to those?
2: We we do if we can. Um okay. a, a lot of the events that we've done locally, we we've, we've just started to expand um, locally. We we actually did it the reverse of I think a lot of people. We didn't start at like farmers markets or things like that. We started like our first ever public appearance was Tenley, um, and, and so I mean we Damn. went we went baptism uh, by fire. <laughs> we went nationwide right off the bat. So um, we've actually just started doing. Um, I think our first was in November, local event. So we do we do bring animals to the shows where it's where we're possible to bring animals. We don't take animals to the NARBC shows because it's such a a long amount of travel. Um, But if we do local shows, we always do bring animals and we always do bring animals that are specific to coffee producing countries. So um, in the shop, just like right over here, uh, there is a Honduran milk snake. Um, So we do we do have Honduran coffee and we do have like a a Indonesian frill dragon as well. So we do do some Southeast Asian coffee. Um, So we try to introduce people to animals that they would see in those, in those countries. So.
0: Which is an awesome way to associate, you know, things and and sort of tie the whole thing together.
2: It like takes people's barriers down pretty much right away. Right. like people that aren't reptile people come in and see coffee and then see the name and see the little gecko on the bag. And then people's like barriers are down and they're like, Oh, that's such a great idea. And then I can introduce them to a frill dragon or a a and milk snake or something instead of just, you know, shock and awe with this big snake coming right at you. Yeah. So
1: it's a great way to do it, man. Great way to do it. So,
0: so what was the process with starting the brand and you know, how you, you, how did you, how did you decide to tie the things together?
3: So, it's interesting because we actually so trey and i have known each other somewhere around eight or nine years so we've worked together for a while uh, corporate america we have pretty extensive background supply chain management logistics customer service and early on we kind of developed a friendship and knew we wanted to do something together we just didn't know what it was um but just kind of following some level of formality, we would meet after work, have a couple of drinks, kind of brainstorm ideas. We I mean we had like slide decks of ideas of things we wanted to do, but never kind of pull the, the vision together until um we left one job, actually worked together at a second job, um, uh, started our meetings back up. Then I get this random phone call from Trey one evening, like I Figured it out. And I'm like, oh, hell. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Gonna be. So he was like, I'm on the coffee aisle. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what type of coffee I want. And I knew that he was, you know, it, breeding reptiles, had plenty of them. a matter of fact, he used to, you know, do some stuff at work, of course, with some of his reptiles, bringing them to work, showing them off to some of the coworkers. Uh, but he talked about coffee and realized that the coffee he was looking at and and about to purchase came from some of the exact same locations that his reptiles came from. And I was like, huh, okay, tell me more. Um, And then from there, it was, you know, doing the research, um, kind of building that story, and understanding how and if the actual coffee plant was actually good for the environment, and it turns out not only is it good, it's it's, it's great. Uh, it helps to protect the natural environment that a lot of these reptiles come from, like, you know, the Honduran milk snake that he just talked about. And, you know, Costa Rica and, you know, Ethiopia, all these other locations that we ended up, you know, being the source for where we actually get our coffee beans from. So, you know, it was one of those things that was a long time coming, you know, we talked about a lot of different things, but when the story came together of the relationship between reptiles and coffee, it it was just a matter of doing the research, coming up with the name. And then it was such a niche market. Like no one else is playing in this lane, but us. And we knew that going in. Right. So it was trial. like, Like Trey said, First public appearance was McKendrick. I'm driving you to Chicago, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put our fir- first. Uh, uh, h- hold public- on, hold on now. Hold. Oh, on wait, wait, wait. Hold wait. on. Okay, okay. Trey drove to Chicago. I flew. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, comes out. <laughs> so he said we're gonna vend an event in Chicago. Uh, oh yeah,
1: an event. Just, just you a small know? thing, yeah.
3: you know, just, like, a, okay. just a couple yeah. of people. Yeah. All yeah. right, cool. Uh, you know, I was actually we were both still working at the time. It yeah. was it was it was crazy. So, event of course was over the weekend. Trade drove up 16, 17 hours solo, pulling a trailer uh, from South Carolina all the way to Illinois. Uh, I flew in Friday night late and show up at the event on Saturday morning. Little did how I know, shocked were you, yeah, that there was like ten thousand other people yeah. showing up at this event on Saturday morning, so um
1: do you think cool, do you think if but, he told you what you were walking into, it would no. have been it would have been different,
2: I mean, I don't know how I would have described it like to um, a person that had never been convention to a center full of before. nerds, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, it was amazing, it was amazing in all types of different ways but um we we, i mean it was a phenomenal event i mean we served and sold coffee for two days straight um i hardly saw a customer because i was my head was down the entire time making (laughs) cups of coffee back to back to back to back every now and then i get a nudge and hey that person over there is important i'm like yeah okay let me make this next cup of coffee i don't know you know, who that may or may not be. And some of those ended up being some of the affiliates uh, that we ended up having at some point later. But the interesting thing about that trip was I ended up flying back Sunday evening. Uh, Trey packed up, got on the road. And by Tuesday, I think, did you go back to work Tuesday? I went to what? back to work Tuesday. Yeah. And probably before lunch, I got a text message that said, I just submitted my resignation. <laughs> We're we're doing coffee and reptiles full time, and I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean? You just submitted your resignation? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That was the vision hit him, you know, like a brick wall. And we knew we had something special just from the feedback that we got from that event alone. Uh, Like I said, it was such a narrow niche market that no one else was playing in. We knew immediately we had something special. Yeah, I think
0: I think Tinley sort of being that first sort of jump into the into the pool kind of thing might have been probably one of the smartest things to to do because it's yeah you're not going to get much of a bigger customer base you know and introduction to people than that
2: and we knew that the game is volume right i mean when you're talking cups of coffee you you can't just sell to to 10 or 15 people and and make it at a show right i mean yeah. it, there has to be volume so what what turned out to be a scary first experience turned out to be really i mean like mckendrick said we we built relationships that first tenley that they've lasted i mean it's been a year it, it'll be a year anniversary from that first yeah. tenley next month. next month so we'll be yeah. back in at tenley next month for for the the year anniversary of our first trip so um yeah, it, it's been That's
1: it's awesome. been a whirlwind, but yeah, met a lot of great contacts that first day. So you also kind of ruined him from going to any other reptile show. I did. <laughs> you yeah. I, I mean, with the, with the exception of yeah. like Daytona and maybe Pomona, I think. He, yeah, there's nothing compares. Yeah. We yeah,
2: yeah. We, we do a couple of other shows like locally, um, mostly just to get the name out um, as like a marketing expense. And yeah, we'll sit there some days
3: and we'll be like, Where, where's everybody at? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what is yeah. this? foolishness that you got me in Twenty <laughs> six or seven people walking up to me that's
1: great though so, that's good so yeah no it's it's been good so now i i've never actually been to tinley um were you guys selling coffee both by the bag as well as by the cup or were you like yeah. giving out samples or how do you guys did that yeah
2: we
3: we sell it both by the bag and the cup Ima. yeah i mean yeah i mean it was yeah, we 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 knew it was still a publicity event and it's and um you know just by the nature of us being out for the first time. Uh we did a lot of investing in marketing. We had like banners up. Uh for this show we did have reptiles and coffee, the first one we did. The yeah. first one we did. Yeah. Not as many reptiles. Yeah. Um,
2: I think I, I had like two ARS cases with some yeah. like milk snakes and stuff like that in it. Some king snakes and milk snakes.
3: Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we were doing pour over coffee. Yeah. Um, I had three different Chemexes going at one time. Wow. Um, and then, Cooking. Uh, you know, Trey kind of managed the reptile portion, but the draw was really the coffee. And then yeah. the setup for the pour over it looks like a science experiment, right? So people constantly walking over wanting to know, you know, what is it that you're doing and Mm -hmm. why are you selling coffee at a reptile event? So then the story comes into play, like, okay, the coffee plant is good for the environment and we have Honduran milk snakes and, you know, uh, tortoises from where I I had red foot tortoises. 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 So, I mean, it was when people started to hear the story, it it just clicked immediately and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, this might be the most genius thing that we have seen or, 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 you know, seen anyone do. So yeah, we sold cups of coffee uh, all day, you know, both days Uh, we we've changed bags since then, but we actually, you know, also sold bags at the time. It was just our own signature brand um, that we had. But since then that was just the, you know, that propelled us to so many different places just from oh, that yeah. one event, that yeah, I it can was only strategic about what we did. That's great. I can only fathom what
1: the aroma must have been like. Like you walk in there, you're expecting to smell like a stuffy auditorium. Maybe yeah. you get some animal smell in there. I mean, we pretzels. all know what what yeah, pretzels. And then that 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 roasted deliciousness yeah. just well. That's
2: probably awesome. like a beacon the, of the light most event. comment
3: that we the biggest oh, yeah. comment that we get is oh my gosh, it smells so great over here. Yes, that's awesome. we heard it. We we had a show this weekend. I heard it over and over like this is hands down the best smelling booth in the entire place. That's that's probably a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. great. I
0: I mean, even if people are like, why is coffee here? It's I'd still rather see a coffee booth than gutters or walk in bathtubs or. Yeah. And 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 I guess
2: we'll probably talk about it later. But
0: there there's definitely
2: a tie back in with everything we do to the reptiles. So um, I I did see a comment about uh, us roasting or hiring a roaster. So I I can mention that Um, I'd roast everything myself. So I I did learn to roast. Um, So everything that we we, we sell, we roast in house at our facility. Um, And and I do all the roasting currently. So if you you drink our coffee, it it came from me. That's awesome. That's great.
0: So you guys currently have, I mean, go, if you go on the website and you look at the, you know, the different blends and stuff you guys offer, you guys have countries of origins from all over the place. We do. Um, is there a, a certain process in terms of selecting those? Uh, I mean, surely there's a seasonal availability throughout the year. That's, you know, where one half of the world, maybe you can get some stuff from at any point in time. And then the other half is it's off season, I guess. I don't sort of what's the process. It,
2: exactly. Think? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, there, there are some countries where they will, will stage the, um, the coffee, uh, shipment so that you do have more consistent consistency year around. A lot of those countries are your more commodity grade countries. You get specialty coffee out of those countries and you'll get it year around, but it's those countries that have proven practices of supply chain management where you'll see them, um, stagger their production over, over the year. So, um, but, so that's one consideration, uh, as to how we get coffee. Um, but then we also, um, work with our affiliates. So if there's an affiliate uh, that wants a specific coffee, we can we work towards those criteria. Uh, so for instance, um, let's take Adeline Robinson did our logo art and everything. Um, she's one of our affiliates. She is half Ecuadorian. So she wanted an Ecuadorian coffee as her, uh, her affiliate coffee. So we actually sourced her an, a, co- a coffee from Ecuador, uh, specifically for her. Um, to So we can do That's that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, we, we also do a sponsorship with the Carpets and Coffee yep. uh, with the NPR yeah. guys. Um, so, of course, you know, being into carpets, uh, we wanted to source something from Southeast Asia. So theirs is from Papua New Guinea and Sumatra. Uh, so we, we we try our best to like tie it back into whoever the affiliate is that we're working with. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, we if the person that doesn't have a preference or if it's something um, that is for us, for our signature brands um, that gives me the chance to nerd out on coffee. Cause I I mean, I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Just like you guys love cigars and nerd out on cigars. I I do the same thing. I go down the rabbit hole of all the different processing methods and different origins and uh, all that kind of stuff with coffee. So um, that's where a lot of our like signature coffees come from. Uh, So like right now we've got a Nicaraguan honey processed coffee. That's a coffee that I specifically sought out for that honey processing um, yeah I'm what's
0: a, what's the what's the honey processing? Yeah, so
2: um, I' I'll, I'll deep dive for you. so so just get ready. Um, you can hit the snooze button if you get tired of talking coffee. Um, so
3: look man, this, this there, is there why are, you're here, man. spin yeah, it out. We love it.
2: There are three primary uh, processing methods when when it comes to coffee. There's a wash process uh, in which you take the coffee cherry, you process it, um, and you put it in a wash tank uh, where it strips all the, it it essentially ferments and it strips all the pulp off the cherry. So that's wash process. There's a natural process where you actually leave the coffee bean in the cherry, um, out on raised beds to dry. And then that, that, that ferments, um, on the, on the cherry, and then you can, um, hull it and get the cherry out. And then there's a hybrid between them and that's honey processed. Um, so that's the three main one, a honey processed coffee. It's left on the cherry for, um, a, a certain amount of time, anywhere from like a week or two, maybe three weeks, um, uh, so it, that it dries out a little bit, but then it goes through that wet process as well, um, and gets hold. So, uh, honey processed coffee is just another word for a hybrid processed coffee. Um, but it, it adds, it's kind of like the best of both worlds, Uh, So with a wash processed coffee, you get a lot of earth tones. You get a lot of like um, uh, caramelization and um, uh, chocolatey tones. Mm -hmm. And with a natural processed coffee, you get a lot of sweetness and acidity. Um, If you mix the two, you can get the best of both worlds. You can get a a sweet, snappy coffee with some of those chocolatey notes to it. And that's what we were going for with that Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan coffee. Um, was uh, because I personally am a a big fan of Central American coffees. So you'll see a lot of our signature coffees are like Honduran and, and Nicaraguan and things like that. I really love that region. And so that's, um, that's why I I tend to gravitate towards those.
0: Yeah. I've had some Papua New Guinea stuff from a a local roaster here at one point, he would sort of periodically get some, some interesting stuff in from different parts of the world. And the Papua was definitely different. Um, yeah. I find a lot of parallels in cigars and coffee and and wine too. For that reason, I mean, I'm I'm not a big wine drinker, but the process and sort of how things vary depending on where they come from is very very similar.
4: Yeah,
0: and so I always like to try the different. You know, I'm not a a one cigar guy or a you know one coffee kind of guy. Like I like to try all the different stuff. And if I see something from a region that you don't see very often, you know, I got to try it. Same with cigars. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember the Popwin stuff having this sort of. Really interesting, almost like to me it was like a cherry lime kind of sort of note to it. It was just strange, um, but it was good, like in a good way um, yeah. but man, he had I think the other day we were talking I had mentioned like he I think he had Ethiopian, but I think it was actually Ugandan that was mm. really, really good, and then he had something from India, but I don't remember exactly what the where that was from, but that was also really good.
2: Yeah, those those African coffees can be pretty polarizing for people. Um, we we do have a Rwanda that we use a lot in a lot of our blends uh, because it's a little bit balanced. But some of those African coffees like the Ethiopians um, and uh, Kenyans and things like that, they can be super acidic um, and super fruity. So it, it can be kind of almost shocking to some people if you're not used to drinking that to be like, oh, my gosh, that's coffee like it's
1: sweet and and snappy and. Um, acidic so yeah um, i uh i've had a ethiopian like mountain blend with some of the like northern plain stuff on like the ethiopian kenyan border it was a it was a it was an actual blend yeah. and it was it was brewed in an like traditional ethiopian style and it mm-hmm. was exactly what you're describing it was very like sharp but in a good way yeah. and it had it had a lot of uh di- distinct distinct excuse me very what's the word i'm looking for It tasted like no other coffee I've ever had in my life. It was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Sean asked, you know, is it different because of the soil? Because I'm like with cigars, like the soil and, and, you know, even the much year to year makes a massive difference in in the flavor of where it comes from.
2: Very much soil content, especially when you're talking about acidity. Um, so the pH of the soil, as well as elevation, plays a mm-hmm. big impact on on flavor of coffee.
0: Which is the way? Like, what about? Are there different ways it's grown? Like with tobacco, there's a there's a handful of different ways it's grown depending on what the the wrapper's going to be or what part of the you know the plant is going to be used for what part of the cigar um
2: not so much i mean um, the big thing is elevation um and then also whether it's shade grown or whether it's full sun are are, are the big ones um and
0: it's either it's either shade grown or or sun grown yeah
2: i mean don't quote me on that i'm sure there's a lot more like logistically that Mm -hmm. i'm not downplaying the the role the farmer plays in producing (laughs) coffee but um yeah from my understanding is it's mostly just uh the the elevation in the pH of the soil
0: yeah and I mean I don't there are clearly differences because I mean if you have cigars with tobacco from Nicaragua they they taste a lot different than the stuff from the Dominican yeah. and then you have you know your Sumatran wrappers and uh, Cameroons and um, every now and then like you'll get some of these sort of more all regions that you like they do grow tobacco but you don't typically see it in a lot of cigars and that being like Peru and Costa Rica and um even there's Jewish state who we just did that event with. They've got a, a farm in Florida where they're actually growing some, some wrapper leaves there, sure. which is interesting because yeah. a lot of the uh, tobacco in the States, at least for comes from the Connecticut river Valley. Um, and most of the okay. stuff you see grown in like Virginia and Tennessee is made for like cigarettes and, and dip. Yeah. Um, so and it's, I just think it's interesting. It's you see stuff from other, I local think
2: local it's local. worth noting as well. There's different varietals of, of coffee plants as well. So that's going to, play a big role as to what variety the the farmer is growing um so you'll you'll see like bourbon um is a is a popular one um you'll like um geisha is another one if you see Uh a geisha um that's a higher end that's a a less common
1: varietal of of coffee so it commands a a bigger price Um, and forgive me for my ignorance but (laughs) if you have are there certain farms in a particular locality that are not only doing their native their native uh, coffee but they're also doing other origins plants if that makes sense yes so
2: technically all coffee is from ethiopia originally or that's like so like all coffee is unless it's from ethiopia is
0: native to somewhere else like all cigars are cuban seed it's the same thing yeah. like they all originally came from cuba and got moved over right. to other countries and that's where it was growing but yeah so you'll
2: see like waves of farmers growing different varietals so like of course like with any plant propagation um you're gonna like have different stuff pop up and different people will, will propagate different things um and pass them around within within that community um and you'll see waves of different um varietals be more common at different times. And a lot of that has to do with um, like resistance to pests and like um, flavor versus speed of growth and things like that. So you'll see like what was common 10 years ago might not be common next year. You know what I mean? So, okay. so things tend to change and farmers will transition crops just like they would any other crop to best suit the needs that they're looking for. Very cool.
1: Yeah, I just didn't know if there was like a, a, a an Ethiopian coffee but it's grown in Nicaragua you know what I mean in that instance yes there is (laughs) you you know what I mean though but yes (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. very cool yeah very cool
0: so you guys also started a podcast recently that talks about coffee and I've subscribed and I've been listening Um, yeah and you mentioned the Arabica and and Robusto Robusto yep what's the so what's the the difference there. Cause I see Arabica on bags and stuff all the time. Like that's something you see commonly on, on bags. Like what yeah. does that even mean?
2: Yeah. So, so Robusta um, is your like typical commodity grade coffee. Um, and, and for those that aren't, aren't aware of what that means, that's like the, um, the base price coffee. So like, if you're talking about New York stock exchange coffee, that's Robusta. Um, and so, that robusta is it tends to be more bitter, um, but it also tends to have a higher caffeine content than arabica. It's a different species of coffee. Sorry, I should have I should have started with that. Robusta okay. and um, and um, arabica are different species of the coffee plant. So um, robusta tends to have a, a bitter taste to it, and it also tends to have higher caffeine content um and so a lot of times you'll see it roasted darker um, to to kind of smooth out some of those those flavor flavor profiles um there are some companies that are getting into specialty grade uh, robusta um but that's not something that we've started dabbling in yet um but to that point if you see like um world strongest coffee or any of those marketed that's robusta coffee um so that's why you'll see those tend to be da- roasted a little darker Um, because it kind of masks some of those um, undesirable traits Mm -hmm. of Robusta with that roast flavor. Um, As in turn, Arabica is most of what you see as high-grade specialty coffee. Um, And so that's everything that we produce or that we roast is Arabica. um, And almost all of your um, higher-end coffee is going to be Arabica.
1: Very cool. So it's not necessarily indicative of the Arabian Peninsula. It's just no. that that species of coffee plant.
2: That's that's just where it was originally traded. So Arabica is from Ethiopia, but it's called Arabica because it was originally traded through the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, and so that's where it became popular. Very cool.
1: Very cool. And
2: so We're, I'm just learning a lot tonight. Yeah, I'm not, and I, I'm assuming
0: sort of like tobacco, like you can grow it anywhere, but you're going to struggle in more places than others is there yeah like in in theory could you like plant and grow coffee in your i
2: i have a coffee plant in my window right over there (laughs) but it's not i'm never gonna drink that coffee it's gonna be really bad um
0: like do we see is there anybody in the u.s like growing coffee or like australia or any uh, of those other? so so hawaii does grow coffee yeah
2: Yeah. Uh, so you'll you'll get kona coffee from hawaii but really i mean between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn is where you're going to see your coffee production. Okay. Um, and and that's uh, that's where you're going to get the the best tasting notes out of your coffee. Like I've heard of people, I, I watched, um, I think it was a, a YouTube video recently where someone grew coffee in a greenhouse in the UK um, and they tried it and they were like, yeah, this is really cool because it's UK grown coffee. It's not any good but it's UK grown coffee and that's cool. <laughs> and that's kind of what would happen if you grew it yeah, in, that's in cool. like the you know, the yeah. lower 48 or or any or or even in Australia cuz it would be too low. Um so, yeah, every, it's it's that it's that equatorial belt where coffee mm-hmm. grows.
0: It's just interesting. You know like Maynard from from the band Tool, he has a, a vineyard out in Arizona and he grows grapes for wine in like this region that really like no one will even touch because it's such a harsh area yeah. And yeah. there's so many issues with it but he somehow pulls it off and it's just a wonder if that's something you could even
2: do the big your- thing with coffee is that um, it, is that it needs that stable but relatively cooler climate so it okay. needs like a, a montane tropical rainforest environment to, to thrive and to you know reproduce the coffee cherries so that's why you see it in higher elevation areas in like tropical environments because it maintains that that cooler temperature throughout the year yes there is more than one species of coffee too um, that's awesome th- there's there's robusta arabica liberica um and a handful of others i i don't know <clears throat> them all we work with arabica but there are, are several
0: hmm.
1: So interesting man. so interesting.
0: are there are there regions I mean, surely there's regions where you can you can get stuff in regularly, but are there regions that are notoriously difficult to get coffee from on a regular basis?
2: Yeah, so like I mentioned the Ecuador, Ecuador, Ecuadorian coffee that I got for Adeline um, that that one is tricky. Um, it's very seasonal um hawaii coffee also tends to be very
3: seasonal liberica <laughs> but we we're
2: trying the liberica one that's a, a different species that's been impossible um the uh yeah i mean for the most part we we get a lot of like the bulk of our coffee from brazil and colombia um and and those are pretty stable um mm-hmm. i'm typically able to get something out of southeast asia um it's not always a papua new guinea but i can get a Sumatra. I can get an Indonesia. I can get a Papua New Guinea. I can get a Vietnam, something in that area. Um, that, uh, that, um, fits that need. So, uh, we, we tend to, we can also, um, like put things on retainer at the importer. So like I can buy a stock of, let's say like I did with Honduran coffee, um, last year. I my I estimate my annual usage, and I when the when the vessel comes in, I reserve, you know, a X thousand amount, pounds yeah. of of Honduran coffee, and then I can pull that from their the importer's warehouse throughout the year as I need it. So so you can you oh, can kind of cool. do both.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's super
0: cool. Uh, what's your what's your personal favorite?
2: My personal favorite, uh, yeah. it's like choosing my favorite kid. I only have one, and he's not it a lot of time. <laughs> um, <sighs> Honduran, I like a light roast Honduran, I think that's my favorite. But it, you ask me next week, and I'll probably have a different answer. <laughs> uh, but I like I, I mentioned, I tend to like Central American coffees,
3: and, and I definitely like light roast coffees.
1: McKendrick, what about you?
3: I like a dark roast, actually. Um, similar to Trey, I mean, I've kind of flip flopped. Uh, Over the over the months, Um, and I've been on this Papua New Guinea a lot lately. Uh, I like the bold taste of it. Um, Nice. Yeah, it's just been my go to for probably, oh, my gosh, probably last maybe two to three months. Yeah. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm a dark rose Papua New Guinea. Very cool.
0: Is there a particular variety that is earthier than others?
2: Variety or location?
0: Location. Um, So,
2: yes, the Southeast Asian coffees tend to be um, earthier um, than like an equivalent Central American coffee. So like the Papua New Guinea, if Mm -hmm. I would have roasted that, the one that we have, if I would have roasted that light, um, it's going to give you a lot of like vegetative earth tone.
0: um, I love that flavor. I don't know why. Like I love earthy cigars like if it tastes like a mouthful of dirt i'm all about it i don't know (laughs) why maybe i'm iron deficient or something and i got pica i don't know but
2: but we also have a natural brazil that's pretty earthy as well yeah so um i saw another question is coffee labeled colombian usually arabica yes yeah i've never seen a robusta come out of colombia at least recently um so if you're seeing colombian coffee i'm pretty positive it's it's arabica that's Most cool, of man. your Robusta coffee comes out of Southeast Asia, Vietnam mostly is the biggest producer
1: of Robusta.
0: Hmm. Very cool. it would be interesting too. Oh yeah. Yep. Do you so taking something like like reptiles which the general public overall you know is apprehensive about or has a lot of misinformation about but they do Very love cool. coffee. Yep. Oh yeah. Bridging that gap, do you think other or like there's other goods and things that come in that are imported from other places in the country that are, you know, be it food, beverage, whatever? Do you think more organizations should sort of do something similar? Not even necessarily with reptiles, but built like have that sort of association with something wildlife related? And if if they're not, why do you why do you think they're they're sort of
2: I I would say absolutely. Um, I would love to see more organizations bridge gaps. Um, But I think for me, it's more about being genuine uh, about that gap and not forcing it. Um, So like McKendrick mentioned, we went through hundreds of ideas before we landed on this one we were intentional about starting a business and we wanted to make sure that we represented ourselves and whatever industry that we were a part of correctly. And, and so it was really important to us to make sure that we did the research. So like McKendrick said, we pulled um, like um, academic journals of research studies of um, reptile biodiversity in Indian uh, coffee plantations to make like, giving evidence to make sure that what we were saying was going to be true. Um, And and so to me, that's the most important thing is if we're going to promote a good service and expect for it to bridge a a gap within industries, I I think it's important to make sure that down the road, you're not going to be promoting something that's actually detrimental to that, that bridge, whatever, like you said, whatever that, whatever that bridge is. Um, If you want to bake bread and be a musician, you want to make sure that, you know, bread doesn't cause carpal tunnel. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you yeah. know, so yeah. I want to, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm promoting something that is actually beneficial. Um, and, and that's why we, we did the due diligence and we made sure that we were being genuine with our approach with coffee um, and, and going into it, being an, at least my myself being an established uh, knowledge base within the reptile industry, um, knowing the people, knowing husbandry and things like that, knowing the industry, um, has helped us a a ton in in making connections and meeting the right people. Um, but like I said, you know, I I would, I would really encourage anyone, um, that if they're passionate about something, bring it, bring it as a business, as long as it, as it's genuine and it, it fits what you're trying to promote. Um, because I think it's a, like I mentioned earlier, it's a really good way to get people to, to, take down their borders, especially talking specifically about the the reptiles. You have a cup of coffee, you introduce someone to the coffee and you say, thank you for saving this animal. Uh, By buying this coffee, you're giving back um, to Rainforest Alliance. So every bag that we sell um, does donate. uh, We do donate back to um, a nonprofit organization uh, for our signature coffee. So I've got one here. So for our signature coffee that has the just the cold-blooded caffeine logo on it, we do give back to Rainforest Alliance. So $1 per bag does go back to Rainforest Alliance. And any of our affiliate coffee um, within the reptile industry, uh, we give that affiliate the option whether they want to donate back to the Rainforest Alliance or to USARC. Um, so it either goes back oh, nice. to the Rainforest Alliance or USARC. Um, so we, w- we want to put the money where the mouth is, right? We want to make yeah. sure that we're we're not only being passive about it, um, but we're also, you know, being proactive and, and making sure that that we pay it forward um, with with what you guys are, are allowing us to do. So it's a long, ans- long answer. But yes, promote, <laughs> promote crossing bridges, <laughs> promote people coming in, because I would love to see a self-sustaining industry. I would love to see people that were promoting both inside and outside of the reptile industry and, and sh- you know, giving reptiles a positive light. Um, to people that may not have ever encountered them before, and yeah. that's what we get to do in our local events. Is um, like we we went to a radio station the other day to sell them coffee. Nothing to do with reptiles at all, just to sell them coffee, and they were fascinated with the story. <laughs> yes. Like they were like, "Can you bring snakes into the radio station?" Like we would love that. Like we'll <laughs> we'll have a segment about snakes in the radio station. Uh, I mean, like these were people that if I had just walked in with a snake would have kicked me out. Right. Yeah. But but you start talking about coffee, you start talking about something they're interested in, and it's a completely different conversation. So
0: I think that's that's why, it. like I said, like a lot of people like coffee. Yeah. A lot of people, not a lot of people like snakes. And so you're sort of taking something that is universally loved and also taking that same sort of attention and saying, well, you know, if you'd like that, check this out, because this is coming from the same place. And I think, like, in a way, it's almost like when you go to the zoo, you know, you see a you see a tiger, and it's like, yeah, you see tigers on TV and online and stuff, and that's one thing, but seeing one in person sort of gives you much more of an appreciation for it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, hearing sort of the story behind them uh, just makes you sort of give it a little more thought than just, a, oh, wow, that's a tiger. It's huge. It's, that's scary. Like, how did Joe Exotic hang out in a pen with those? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, But, like, yeah. we're in a time now where, where like, the the backstory of things and like the I guess the sort of the mission or goal of of brands, like people are much more invested in that now than I think they ever have been in anything. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to shed it the wrong way. Like, I mean, we we are a business and we're we're trying to make money. Like we're we're a coffee right. business. This is both of our full-time job. Like this yeah. is this is what we do. But I think it's really important to as an entrepreneur, as a business owner to give back to that community that's allowing you to do that business. And that's the part that's important to us. And that's why, you know, we, we appreciate you you letting us, um, you know, give our message on the show. And and that's why we're so active within the reptile industry, not just setting up a website and say, hey, look, buy our coffee, but like yeah. attending the, the events, going out to the people, doing local events. Um, because I I think either, I I don't remember if I mentioned online or or in our previous conversations, but, um, like we don't make a a ton of money off of the shows that we do. Like Mm -hmm. we're, we're peddling $5 cups of coffee at, at reptile shows. It's, that's not where we make our money, but we do it to, to meet people, to see people's interactions when they're handling the, the animals, um, to talk to people about conservation and where these animals come from and why it's important for them to be there. So, yeah.
0: Well, you are um, also giving people a, another another look into to something that maybe they didn't realize was there. I mean, with so many things that we see on grocery store shelves and whatnot, you know, yeah. even cigars included, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize what exactly goes into making that. They don't, you know, realize what what the landscape is like in the places it's coming from, like the biodiversity. Right. Like, so you are you are taking it a step further by showing people, like. It's not just a giant factory that's just bringing in beans and grinding it up and throwing it in a bag. and like, like it comes from an actual place with actual right, right right. You know, animals and people and things like that. It's not right.
2: Right. And, and with our coffee and with most specialty coffee, it's not just to single out of ours, but with most specialty coffee, I can tell you down to the farmer's name of who grew the product, the, the crop, right? I mean,' it's, it's about coffee, just like reptiles, is about building relationships with people and and that community and so we we are unique in that we get to see both sides of it but but like you said it's drawing that attention back to um it being a real place and it being a real animal and and not just that oh i'll see it i'll kill it type mentality Mm -hmm. you know um and that's easy to say and I, i will mention that i think also what gives us a leg up especially at like some of these local events is that we're able to talk about it from a, a reptile like owner standpoint, but also like um I was actually bitten by a cane break um, like last April. um really? it was, Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was a non, like, I don't keep venomous. It was a wild cane break in the woods, walking through the woods and, and got bit. And so I can also talk to people about like I have no animosity towards that animal. That animal was living its life. I can educate people on like what to do if they get bit by a venomous snake. This is what you can expect. And so, like, there's there's a lot of different things that that we can tie back in and talk about. There, this animal was doing what God intended it to do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be doing what it's supposed to do. And, and I say that to say that it's the same thing as like any snake is a, 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 a or what's the saying? I don't even know the saying. What any snake, snake is a that's a good snake is a dead snake or a whatever good snake is a dead snake yeah but like you know you can i can counter it from a lot of different ways and educate right. people in in on all those different ways so
3: and i think a lot of this has been a good education journey for both of us especially as we're you know connecting these two worlds together um it, it takes a level of authenticity right like it's sure we're not just chasing money right we're 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 trying to build a business. I promise you I
2: can make more money
3: doing other stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, But there's a level of passion that goes into it that uh, we both have just from, you know, where we've come from, what we do, uh, how we approach business. And we always knew that regardless of what we did, we wanted to give back in some way. Right. And to be able to find this industry, this connection, to have this level of passion to succeed and also give back and also to educate uh, was an easy sale, right? Because I was probably like the first person he had to sell on, you know, this entire business venture. And it made sense to me. I've always been one that gives back to the community through, you know, different efforts. Um, So to tie it all together and to bring it full circle and to now deliver that message to everyone, you know, in the reptile industry, in that reptile circuit, Locally, nationally, to see it on our website, I think it all just brings that picture uh, completely together uh, for yeah. everyone.
1: Yeah, and you're not a you're not just making a business; you're you're creating a legitimate brand, a brand that you guys can be proud of, a, a
3: brand that the customers
1: yep. can be proud of. Yep, I think, and and it's fantastic.
3: Yeah. yeah, and I told Trey, I think him getting bit was probably to just kind of build his street cred. It, it was bit. a street
1: cred thing. That's <laughs> yeah. what it was. Well, it's it's it's. it's it's kind of fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. oh, it, it'll ruin your weekend real well, quick. Yeah, because yeah. Smitty and I go actively looking for them yeah. and can't find them, and yeah. this guy's just taking a stroll. And he's yeah. walking. I'm
2: just walking. Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, I was in loafers
1: <laughs> and not
2: not not in snake boots. I don't so
0: know if that makes this. Does oriented. that make it? Better, I was gonna say then the, then. the street cred just goes out the window. Well, uh, what I was gonna say is, I, I was, I, my I, I was in my loafers,
1: strolling through the woods. So I typically go herping in flip flops. So yeah. clearly, my technique is going to work at some point. You, yeah, you're, you're,
2: some doing, point, something, you're, yeah, you're yeah. doing something. Yeah, you're doing something better than me. Cause... Just keep at it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, time. Billy
0: Billy Jenkins asked how was being bit, and I was uh, figured that it, it sucked. I'm sure.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I'll answer the question, but I also I always preface anytime I talk about getting bit is that it's not a badge of honor. It's not a. It's not a. You know, something that I'm proud of. It's Agreed. like literally, like I. I still have a cane. Like I still sometimes have to walk with a cane and it's been almost a year. Right. So it's not something that's, that's not, uh, that's glorified or anything. So I, I don't say it to, to, to like brag or anything, but, um, it's. chick stick scars, man. It's, it's not fun. It <laughs> it wasn't fun. Um, so I was, I was out looking for some sticks that I was going to put into <laughs> a, an enclosure um, and I came across a rock pile and. Silly me, went up to it, and was like, oh, this is great. This is a great place for snakes. I wasn't herping. I was looking for, you know, stuff to go into the into my cages. decor. Um, and for some reason, it didn't flip in my head that, you know, there might be a snake there, even though I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the perfect thing to put in my snake." cages
1: exactly um,
2: walk right up to it and a four foot canebrake was sitting right at the edge of those rock piles and popped me in the middle of my shin um oh, so geez yeah so a couple of things went went right for me um one only only got hit with one fang uh, i was wearing jeans um even though it was april in south carolina so that was good um and i only got hit with one fang and i was in the hospital within 20 minutes um, because, of course, I knew what to do, um, and good. my I, I talked my family through it and was able to talk my family through it. Um, the doctors trusted me. That was another thing um, that I've heard other stories of other oh, people yeah. That, that, yeah. that didn't have the same experience. I was able to tell the doctor exactly what it was that bit me, how long ago it bit me, where it bit me, all that good stuff. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that for the – so my one thing that I tell people, um, now that I've gotten bit, um, is that – go to the hospital even if you don't think you were envenomated because yeah. I didn't think I was envenomated for the first six hours. Um, I didn't have any swelling. I didn't have any pain um, for the first six hours. And then after about hour six, it felt like lava was poured down my leg. Nice and if I'd well. have waited until that point to go to the hospital, it could have been a lot worse.
4: Yeah. Um,
2: oh, yeah. So uh, it, it was a, a week of pretty intense pain uh 24 hours in the hospital, 10 bottles of antivenom, and um yeah, like a, a week of pretty intense pain. And like I said, um I still sometimes usually when it's cold out or when it's raining, I'll still have to use a cane. Um, you know, to 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 manage the pain. Um and it's been a year. So um
1: yeah. Lucky man. Very yeah. lucky. Yeah, very lucky. Very lucky. Blessed. Yeah. Blessed. yeah. The um, do you remember what serum they gave you? I don't, okay. I was pretty happy at that because <laughs> <time.
2: laughs> I was pretty resistant to it. Um, because I was pretty adamant, like I said, I didn't have any pain for the first six hours, so I was pretty adamant that I had gotten a dry bite and yeah. that I didn't want anything, and so I had refused all pain medicine for the first six hours and was like, Nope, I'm fine. Um, until that, like I said, hour six, where it felt like lava got poured down my leg. And then I was like, give it to me, give it to me. So I have no idea what, (laughs) what the, the, uh, what the serum was, but I do know that, well, two things I know. Um, one, this is a lesson to everyone is that they do the antivenom by weight. So if there's any <laughs> benefit to going on a diet now, you might, <laughs> you might cost you less in the hospital, save you, you a couple grand, yeah. save you a couple bucks there. Yeah. And, and also the doctor came in after uh, the next morning before I got released and he was like, how are you feeling? I was like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling some better still pain. He was like, okay, good. How's your insurance? And I was like, it's, it's pretty good. Why are you asking? He said, cause that costs 10 grand. And I just gave you ten of them. <laughs>
0: it's like, okay. Did he say about how like how many other bites have they? Is that something they've seen? Um, I'm sure. So they, they, he did. He said here, it
2: was it was reasonably common, which is I think why they acted so quickly. He didn't give me a number, but he did say that they keep 22 vials on hand at any time, um, and that's so that you know, like I'm I'm, I'm about a little north of 200 pounds and so i got 10 and so that's in case they have two people come in at at a similar time so they're they're, and this was this was at the um hospital this was a fairly rural hospital um this was not in somerville where we are it was you know about an hour outside of somerville um so it was a fairly rural hospital but they they're pretty familiar they i think they did say that there was one other bite that month that they've done with um and that was pretty early in the season. It was like I
1: said, it was like yeah. mid-April. Yeah. So, so. Mm-hmm. Glad to see you're still kicking. Yeah, and appreciate. it's it's
0: really interesting that you you know you initially didn't have any any symptoms because if anyone's listened to the latest Venom Exchange radio episode, uh, Nipper got nipped by a pygmy uh, rattler, and he had a similar thing where he felt nothing. He was fine for. The first like what hour or so he said a couple hours? Uh,
1: not even Pro- probably about thirty minutes, forty minutes or so. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden it it like came out of nowhere and hit him. Yeah, just really bizarre.
2: It felt cool. like maybe I'd gotten like kicked in the shins, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, like I said, but th- but that was it. So for yeah. six hours, and then
0: did you? Luckily, did you I was already sitting in a
2: hospital bed when it hurt. What was that? Did you go back and look for it? I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Long, <laughs> long gone. Long gone. Long gone. I mean, I wasn't going to do anything to it. I wasn't going to leave yeah, it alone. Yeah. I just wanted like, well played. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd still at least go
0: back and see if it was pink.
2: Yeah. No. No. It, uh, it, w- it was gone. I'll, I'll, uh, every, time I go ba- uh, every time I go by there, I, I hop out. And this time with a hook. <laughs> yeah. but uh, but every time i go past there I, I hop out and take a look i
0: keep I, I keep hearing a theme and it seems that rock piles are no good because i mean <laughs> yeah. dr messenger got hit by a, a proto bathrop's jerd in a similar manner where it was in a rock pile and he was i mean he knew the snake was there because he saw it but he was going for it and managed to get hit by it and
2: this one, I mean, he was, he was sitting maybe four foot off the, off the rock pile in like some scrub brush. And it felt like when I got hit, I, th- I thought I'd walked into like a thorn bush <laughs> and it, it never, it never rattled. It never made a noise. Wow. Um, and I, I was like, oh, that's weird. There's no, like there sh- it's just scrub grass. There shouldn't be any, any thorns here and look down and I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> there goes <Damn>. the weekend.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So Timbers and cane breaks are are, in my opinion, way underrated in terms of toxicity and and it's like some of the worst bites I've seen in terms of rattlesnakes were were from timbers and cane breaks. That's what the doctor said.
2: They said if it was an Eastern, you'd you'd you know be fine in a couple of days. But the cane break, they said you'll be in pain for a month, probably. And and he was right. It was a couple of weeks of it hurt, it it was tough to stand up.
1: Oh yeah. The more south you go, the more neurotoxicity they have. So there's been a lot of fatalities because people thought they had time and they didn't. Yeah. So it's great you did what you did, you know. Sorry, I digressed off of coffee. I apologize. That's all right. (laughs) Snakes, man. We gotta talk (laughs) about it. Street
2: cred. Yeah, street street, street cred.
1: Street cred. cred. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Buy some coffee to pay my hospital bills.
1: (laughs) 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 Be honest, you just wanted a cool ass cane.
3: That's right. That's it. That's oh my god.
0: Yeah, just needed a pip cane. I just ordered another. One.
3: Ordered another one. Like, dude, what? Why you need another
0: cane? My CVS cane isn't cutting it. It's bending. This one has a sword in it. Right. I looked look,
1: at those. I did. Don't tempt me. Don't don't buy like the gaudy plastic cobra head with the red eyes. Like, don't. Uh, do
2: that. You, you know. You know. <laughs> so I, I also know quite a bit about canes now because I've been doing some research. They <laughs> they sell the uh, replica Jurassic Park. Uh, oh, now that's cool. I, I almost got it. I
4: that's
1: got it. that's cool with the the mosquito it. and amber. That was like cool.
2: 125 bucks, and I was that's like, worth is it. that is that too much money for a novelty can The answer is no, but I still didn't get it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I don't think he would hang out with me anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll get you an all white linen suit.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Classic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you do you take Honduran? milks with you to some of these events yeah for sure
2: that's that's probably the most common one that we take yeah because that seems like a
0: a perfect animal to to do that with because i mean you have Honduran coffee and you could show people like if you like that then you'll like this and like how you can who's going to ignore a a orange and black snake like that like just i was going to
2: get her for you but she's wrapped up in her log but i've got like an a seven foot big giant adult female honduran wow. bicolor, black and white nice. um and she's 12 years old she's a retired breeder um but she comes and hang out she's just as as calm as can be and so that like you said that's the bridge the gap it's like oh my gosh that's a pretty like i, I haven't come across anybody that said ah that's ugly like that's scary like that's just a gorgeous animal right no matter what it is
0: but but now when people think of Honduran or someone brings up Honduras, like, they're going to yeah. think about that snake. Like You've, you've yeah, built a an instant sort yeah. of uh, what's the damn word? Association. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you did mention the Rainforest Alliance earlier, and that's something, too, that I wanted to ask about, because yeah. if you go down any coffee aisle yeah. or, you know, any, I mean, there's other things I've seen with that label on it, but I think a lot of people probably don't know exactly what's involved in that. So what's the, how's that whole yeah. thing work?
2: Yeah. So from the roasters end, it's pretty straightforward. Um, we just have to submit a certific uh, application for certification. Uh, and all that means is that we are able to use the Rainforest Alliance logo. Um, if it is a certified farm that we're purchasing the, the coffee from. So like the burden of proof is on the, the farm itself to be certified. And so they go through a much more rigorous certification process, which you would expect, right? I mean, it's it's mostly coming down to uh, the sustainability of harvest practices. Um, and so there's a couple of pillars that the Rainforest Alliance uses for their certification process. Um, and one of them is uh, human rights. So, that, so um, in addition to like uh, fair trade coffee, which is the big one about human rights and things like that, um, Rainforest Alliance also has a human rights aspect, so it's a certification that uh, child labor was not used in the production, that there is an effort taken for gender equality within the, um, the production of the coffee, um, and also there was one more thing, but, but whatever, human rights um, is taken into consideration, um, and then also there is the sustainability aspect. So they're using sustainable farming practices in their um, in their harvesting and in their planning. They are also using digital harvest software to record their harvests um, and their, their yields. And then also the last one is um, deforestation. So of course, that's the Rainforest Alliance primary um, mission is to prevent deforestation within uh, the rainforest areas. So each of the Uh, farms has to do a survey of their region. um, And one, they cannot um, use any deforestation methods to farm their property uh, for coffee. And two, they have to, um, in correlation to their specific region, um, plant naturally occurring species as shade plants for um, their coffee farms. So those are like the three pillars of a rainforest certification. So you, when you see that, that mostly means that the farm that the coffee came from is rainforest certified, and the supply chain all the way through is rainforest certified, um, including the roaster. So we are a rainforest certified roaster as well. So just that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely awesome. And and, and there's quite a few different certifications, and they can get a bit confusing, and a lot of them overlap. Um, so for for instance, fair trade. Um, that is certifying that uh, uh, minimum wage is paid for each pound of coffee.
4: Okay. So that's
2: an upcharge based on uh, the, commodity, the commodity price. There is a surcharge for fair trade to ensure that the, the fair trade um, practices are being
1: met. That's great. That's yeah. great. What, um, what was part of your decision-making process to go with Rainforest Alliance?
2: Yeah. So that's, um, that's a kind of a big question that we wrestled with. We wanted something that one gave back to regions where reptiles were prevalent. Um, And and so we, we selected the rainforest region um, because we thought that we could have probably the biggest impact on habitat within that region. Um, And and two, we wanted to go with an organization that was very established yeah. Um, and one that we could track the funds. And so we we did a lot of research. There's like several websites where, where you can see transparency on um, nonprofit organizations. And so we went through several of those to make sure that we um, were giving back to an organization that gave most of their, um, their income back to uh, their missions. So that was why we went with Rainforest Alliance. And also it was um, a coffee certification organization as well. So we could tie it back to coffee as well as to rainforest conservation and reptile conservation. So
1: that's great. That's great. Make sure Al Chapo isn't smuggling avocados. That's exactly
2: (laughs) right. Yeah, (laughs) he can do it as long as he plants trees.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: exactly.
0: (laughs) Got to pay your dues. Do does the Rainforest Alliance? I mean, is that just? Are they focused more on like New World? countries central america south america or did they also it is okay I got it, is, it is
2: mostly central and south america they do some work in southeast asia i don't think they have anything that's going in africa um
4: gotcha.
2: but it, it but yeah i mean it was difficult to to select one that encompassed everything yeah um but like i said we we, we kind of had to pick and choose and we wanted to be consistent we went we thought for a while that we would like put a like a selection i've seen some companies that like pick a charity to donate to but then mm-hmm. it would get so like washed out that I, I didn't feel like we were doing as good um as giving it to to one organization that we could trust mm-hmm. so and in the end we ended up selecting two right so we selected the rainforest alliance for the non-reptile side and then we let the reptile affiliates choose if they want to do us arc as well so
1: that's good that's good yeah, yeah it's better to give you know a hundred dollars to one organization that you know is legitimately doing what they say they're doing opposed to $1 to a hundred organizations that God only knows what they're really doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And to that point we do, we do work with quite a few nonprofits, both within the reptile industry and outside. Um, And we do have a pretty thorough vetting process as to, as to who we work with. Um, It's not like if, if you come and knock on our door, we'll be happy to help you. Um, but we're probably not going to like partner with you, you know, if, you're, yeah. if, if you can't prove your credentials. So we do work with ARRO, if you're familiar, it's the Association of Reptile Rescue Organizations. Um, so we, we do work with them a little bit. We're working on a partnership with them. Um, they're all 5013C uh, compliant organizations. Um, and then we also, we did an event a couple of weekends ago um, with community options, Um, which is an organization that gives back. They do um, employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, So we work with them, but that's a non-reptile related organization as well. Um, So we we try, I mean, we try to give back and and as much as we can because we feel blessed to be able to do this full time. Yeah. And you know, we want to make sure that we're supporting those that support us.
1: Awesome. Very cool. Very cool.
0: How was the, uh, what was, who was the first, affiliate that you guys linked up with
1: so
2: we started with da vinci boas yeah. um okay out of um yeah florida florida right? and then the second one actually was snake discovery mm-hmm. um and so the, that was kind of the one that launched us um they we did a video with snake discovery back in july and um i, I will remember that day for the rest of my life because <laughs> they came and they they did the video and then um, I was just sitting at, at the roastery, um, uh, the the previous one, not the one that we're in now. And I was just sitting at the roaster doing my normal like day to day roasting. And all of a sudden my phone just went beep, 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 beep of all the orders starting to come in wow. and McKendrick was still working full time at the time. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I messaged him and I'm like, something's going Something, on, something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> so we That's we went awesome. from averaging, you know, two or three orders a day to that day getting over 200 orders from oh, that. Hell video. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that was the second affiliate and and since then I think we're up to like mm. 12 on the website and in the works with a couple more that'll, that'll be announced soon. So that's great. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Bridging it
2: all like, together. Yeah.
0: And I, I mean, I well, like the fact that, you know, you mentioned the other day when we were talking that you guys are selective about your affiliates. It's not just whoever's. To, yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: If you come to us, we'll, we'll always talk to you about having an affiliate partnership, but this is, we're, we're pretty protective over our brand as I expect that you should be over yours. Right. And mm-hmm. if it, if it's not a good fit, then we're not going to partner. Right. I mean, it's, we, we have certain things that we look for. One of them, I mean, quite frankly, is, is reach. I think that's really important for us is to, to partner with people that can also spread the same message as us. So um, we look for people that are out there trying to spread a positive message about reptile keeping that will continue our mission as well. Um, so we, we don't, partner with people that are negative or that we see people that are posting negative things about the industry or posting negative things about, um, husbandry or, or practices that we just don't agree with. Um, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat and I'm not telling you how to do, you know, keep your animals or do anything, but that doesn't mean that we
0: have to work together on that. So yeah, hundred percent. That's good. You guys even do, like k-cups which i thought was really cool how how hard was it to to the logistics behind the k-cup thing and like people having their own coffee and made in k-cups seemed like a pretty big hurdle
2: yeah so we only have we we only have one that's a k-cup
0: um
2: so um and we are so we're about to expand. We're going to have a total of three that I think we'll probably yeah, end up we'll with three unless someone specifically asks for one. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. So um, we were very selective about K-Cups because, of course, what's the problem with K-Cups is that they're, they're plastic and they're one use. Right. So one use. Boom and then they go in the trash and then boom, that goes into a landfill and sits there forever. So our K-Cups are 100% compostable. That means everything from the ring that holds the, the cap on all the way down to the bag that it's sealed in are 100% compostable um, in in residential com- compost piles. So it doesn't have to be commercially composted. Um, so um, we were very selective. We got very lucky and we found a company that 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 does it and does it fairly reasonably priced for what we can, what we can manage. Um, so we do have, <laughs> that's not real coffee. <laughs> <It> <laughs> I'm is. trying to make a buck, man. I don't know what to tell oh, yeah. you. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> <laughs> you want the coffee? I'll give it to you. Um, no, <laughs> it's it. So our K cups are 40% more coffee. So it is closer to real coffee than, um, the, K-cup the K-Cups, K-cups that you can off buy the off the shelf. Yeah. Um, is it as good as a Chemex or a pour over? Uh, no, I, like honestly, no. But is it the best K-Cup that I've ever had? Yeah, I, I would say that. And that's not just coming from me trying to sell a product, but it, it's a darn good K-Cup. Um, and so, yeah, it is um, fully compostable and it has a filter bottom instead of that hard plastic. Um, so mm-hmm. it, there's there's it's a soft bottom, so it can actually hold more coffee. Um, okay. And it will. It is in a nitrogen sealed pack because of that. But the so like each pack is individually sealed with the cake cup inside it. But then that outside packaging is also compostable in a residential oh, okay. compost pile. So yeah. everything, yeah, everything is
0: compostable. I just the logistics behind that seem like one of we the don't biggest, do it biggest headaches. Just in terms of like being able yeah. to find someone that can do it because it, I can't imagine it's it's cheap to do.
2: The company that we use is called green pod. So if you're interested in learning more about the compostable, um, they can tell, they can say it better than I can, but it's called green pod and they're out of Virginia. Um, so we literally will roast coffee and put them in five pound bags and ship them to Virginia. They'll process them, put them into the pods and then they'll ship them back to us. Um, that's that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So we, like I said, we, we went through, we started out trying to do it ourselves, but that was a lot of um asset investment, capital investment. Yeah. To be yeah. Able and to then you that. have
0: to have the equipment and everything, right? Yeah. And-,
1: and time too. Yeah.
2: And and coffee roasting is already a pretty capital intensive um endeavor to start anyway. So um those those roasting, those commercial roasting equipment, that's not cheap. And so going in from buying a year ago a commercial roasting <laughs> facility. And then also going in and buying a commercial K-cup production facility, um, that that's just something we couldn't manage. So we we were lucky we found a company that does it does it to our standards. Um, and yeah, they've been great. So we are expanding it. So the one that we have now is a medium roast,
1: rainforest and we are blend.
2: it is the Rainforest Blend, um, which is our house medium roast, and we are expanding into a light roast and a dark roast option as well with the K-cups. So. That's great. Yep.
0: See, now I always thought, and I'm sure a lot of people do too, is that the darker the roast, the stronger the coffee in terms of the, like the caffeine. But my wife worked at a coffee shop for a long time, and I guess she told me that that was not the case. That it was actually the opposite. That lighter roasts are typically stronger caffeine wise. That yeah. that is
2: true. It's, I'll say it's negligible. It's not an extreme difference. Um, so. But it's because the roasting process will burn off caffeine um, okay. as, as you go. So that's the reason behind it. But like I said, I mean, it, it takes a pretty high temperature to start burning off that caffeine. Um, so there may be pockets of it that get that hot within the roast bed. Um, but the entire roast isn't going to get hot enough for it to be like a decaf if you roast it long enough, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so, so there will be a difference, but it's not, it's not uh, significant. Um, so don't think that you can get a darker roast in and it'll have more caffeine. I just i happened.
0: i want i want to be able to to hear colors. <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> and just take a couple of espresso shots. It'll it'll. Uh... Like
0: I don't my I I drink a lot of caffeine. <laughs> and I
2: I do too. It's ten thirty at night and
0: yes. <laughs> nothing ever seems to be enough at this point. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, there's there's not a there's not a significant difference in in light roast and dark roast.
1: So someone who is not a avid coffee drinker or dare I say connoisseur, um where would you steer them in the right direction? Let's say they say, you know what, I've had coffee in the past, I like it, I'm gonna get my first genuine I, bag I, 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 from
0: like Mike, Mike has Sik- never even had coffee.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, well, yeah Mike, Mike is a perfect example. We love you, Mike. But what hmm. I was going to say is someone who's had coffee before they got it, you know, at work or whatever. They, but they've not been a coffee drinker. They want to buy their first genuine real bag, not some Dunkin' Donuts, K-Cup crap that they got from the grocery store. Where would you steer them with your product?
2: Yeah. So first things first is go to a local roaster or order some online that you know when it was roasted. So, like for us, we're pretty transparent um, in that everything that you order from us is roasted within two days of shipment. Um, so, wow. so yeah, you know, you order it, and I either roast it that day or the next day, that, and then it ships. Um, so, go to somebody that you know that has a that has a fresh roasted coffee, um, because that's gonna right off the bat take away some of those. Um, Non desirable attributes of stale coffee. So that's number one. Number two is under, I would start off with more of like a light medium kind of roast um, because that's for two reasons. It's going to let you kind of feel out uh, your taste in coffee. Um, so you would say some people, the two complaints that I get about coffee are either it's too bitter or it's too acidic. Mm-hmm. Um, so bitter coffee is dark coffee. And acidic coffee is light coffee so either so I would say start on the lighter end but still maybe like a light medium because that'll kind of mellow things out um and so um, and then again I would start off with something that's a little bit more common like a central or South American coffee because those are like uh, your chocolatey cocoa flavor notes which, Tend to be a little bit more balanced than something that's um, punchier, like a like a African coffee as well.
0: How do you awesome. know if, if coffee is stale?
1: Mm. Um,
2: I've probably so,
0: had a ton of stale coffee and just didn't even know it was stale. I've, and was like, I've had I've okay. had stale
1: coffee and I knew it was stale. Like <laughs> <laughs> tasted like stale. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay, so um, when when you're talking about consuming coffee um we typically recommend um uh, so it probably is not going to be a problem for anybody that consumes it that's listening because um, we say 24 hours after roast is the optimal time to start consuming it so you don't want to consume it like right after it's roasted because it does need some time to off gas and so it will emit some co2 and and off gas and it will um, help increase uh, improve the flavor um waiting about 24 hours, um, assuming that you're doing a drip coffee, Um, and then, um, after that, from that 24 hour time, the clock kind of starts, right? So if you've, if you get a bag of ground coffee, I would say probably it's best. See, it's tough to even say with ground coffee, it's best two weeks maybe is, is your optimal time to consume it.
1: Now Um, is that once the bag's been opened, if it's sealed?
2: That's no, just that's from, from roast.
1: roast. From oh wow! Roast. Now,
2: wow. now, I mean, Phil, if you're not an avid coffee drinker, you're probably not going to tell a whole lot of difference between two weeks and a month. But sure. I would say probably ground coffee. A month, you'll start tasting the difference. Like if you tasted that coffee the day you got it, 24 hours after it was roasted, and then you taste it again after a month, you'll you'll be able to taste the difference. Yeah. Um, But I would say, one, if you're going to be into coffee at any level, get a a grinder and not just any grinder, get a burr grinder. They're not that expensive. Don't get a blade grinder um, because there's there is a significant difference and they're not that much more expensive to get a burr grinder versus a blade grinder. Um, So get get you a good burr grinder and get whole bean coffee. Um, uh, Typically what you see uh, best Buy dates for coffee are 30 days. Um, and, and so that's what you'll see. Like if you've got, if you go to like a, a specialty retailer or a grocery store, you'll see roast date best Buy 30 days after it was roasted. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a fair guideline when you're talking about retail because not everybody's going to be able to get a product on a shelf and get it consumed within 30 days. That's pretty tight window. Sure. Um, I've it's had coffee- a lot of coffee. To, it's also a lot of coffee to drink. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Not everybody drinks as much coffee as I do. Right. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah, 30 days, I think is a fair, um, time for, for when we're talking about freshness. Um, and, but I mean, coffee is a shelf stable item. So as long as it doesn't mold, you can consume it forever. Like I've had 20 year old coffee. It's not good, but I've had, (laughs) it. right. Yeah. Yeah
0: it's like so, 20 year old cigars it's like at some right. point it just kind of loses its flavor yeah. as long as it's not like actively molding
2: you're not going to get sick but yeah. yeah just just don't do it just toss it it's, <laughs> coffee's not that expensive get good coffee it's not that bad
1: yeah well so it's so like i drink a lot of uh, kevin bustello and yeah. you know a lot of a lot of cubans my yeah. fiance's cuban and I drink, I drink a fair bit of it and I try to get the freshest bag I can, but pre-ground cause I'm lazy. Um, but then my work, we have like a major Nespresso account and we have the giant industrial uh, like restaurant espresso yeah. maker, you know, that would be for a legitimate restaurant. There's, there's only a handful of us working in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> And I look at the dates on those pods, those Nespresso pods, and some of them, it's like best Buy six months later. And I'm like, ah, what am I doing here? I mean, it, it tastes good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I know that there's either an additive or something. Something's happening, you know?
2: And, and it, I mean, it's OK. Like I think and we mentioned on our, our last podcast, it's OK to like coffee that's not super fresh. Like I'm not I'm not hating on you for drinking espresso pods because, I mean, it. It serves a purpose. You're sacrificing something, you're yeah. sacrificing freshness for convenience. And and yeah. that's okay.
1: And I mean, I, I also don't buy it. So,
2: yeah. Well, that's <laughs> <it>. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if I was introducing someone to it at the first time, I would say get a fresh bag from yeah. a roaster, get something from Central or South America, and get something that's like a light to medium roast.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And then you guys do whole bean and Ground or no? Yeah,
2: we do. Yeah. So the offerings on the website are just whole bean and ground. Um, but if you have a specific grind preference, I mean, we can we can do whatever you like. Um, like we can grind everything from espresso up to cold brew or, or anything in between. So, you know, most people that want anything other than drip will just order whole bean and grind it themselves. Yeah. But
0: we can I, do it if you I want. Love, I like my coffee cold, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's where me and Phil differ wildly. Wildly. I'm I'm I'm
2: coming. I'm trying. I'm coming around to it. The cold I'm, coffee. I'm, com- I'm coffee. trying. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm what's, not there. What's but... What's the 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 reservation? It's not. It's not so much a
2: reservation. Is it's just like an acclamation. I don't know. Like I didn't like bourbon the first time I tried it. <laughs> you know. I mean, this is like one of those things where you have to have to get it's used a, to it. It's a, a bit. Yeah. it's a different. It's Different flavor profile. Now, I will say we do we do an, a Japanese iced coffee, um, and and that is probably the best iced coffee that I've ever had. Um, so it's brewed. It's a it's a pour over that you brew over ice, and so it like rapid chills it, um, and it it gets a lot of the flavor notes out of the coffee, and it it gives you a pretty good represent representation of what that coffee should taste like. Um, But cold, because the problem with like a lot of cold brew is it just kind of amalgamizes everything into one earthy flavor. Right. And and that's not to say like some people love it. Right. Like you might like that and that's cool. But like I'm talking about I'm investing a lot of money in high end specialty coffee for it to all taste the same right? So like Mm -hmm. when I'm talking about trying to get the optimal flavor notes and flavor profiles of what I when I imagine this coffee when I'm roasting it for the first time and when I'm doing sample roasts and trying to get this thing to what I want to put to market, I want to make sure that it's replicable in all of its forms and in
1: cold brew, it just doesn't really do that. Yeah. So, I also feel like so I drink realistically like being truthful to myself, I have at least three cups of drip a day and probably one, depending on the day, two espressos. And I'll usually do like some kind of like like colada, like nothing crazy. Um, I don't have any of the Cuban stuff at my work because it's yeah. like go, 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 you know. And when I drink my coffee, I want to enjoy it, right? And I don't, I'm not one of those guys that's like, has to drink like liquid hot magma. No, like I, I need it. In fact, I, sometimes I'm not I notice, getting
0: third degree burns down my esophagus. Yeah, like, I'm living I, like,
1: I know, I know most people are like, oh, coffee has to be 197 degrees Fahrenheit. No, like I'm cool with it being like 140, 150, you know? Um, yeah. But when I drink cold brew, I drink it like it's a, a dare I say, a normal beverage and I'm like chugging it and I'm like, yeah. this is not, I'm not, th- this is not the point. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I drink coffee because I love coffee. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. Caffeine's yeah. awesome, but yeah. I genuinely enjoy it. I want my coffee maybe, to taste maybe like that's coffee. that's
0: where we differ too, because I do love coffee as well, but it's also purely a like, I need to crawl back to zero <laughs> and I need the strongest thing to get me there. And that's why I had a, a bang addiction for a long time.
1: You did. You did have a bang addiction for a while. But yeah, I just think that as much as I enjoy the cold brew, it's not when I drink cold brew, I'm drinking, I'm consuming way more than I normally would. And I'm not getting the satisfaction of the coffee itself. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. I, and I, I guess kind of the reason that I try to like cold brew is that I want to experience what my customers are trying of course like like when i so i mentioned sample roasting and that's that's kind of a roasting term for um when we get a new coffee in, we profile it all the same so we roast it against a sample profile to see what that coffee has to offer and then we can manipulate it from there to the finished product um and so like when i do that i always run it through a cupping process, which is how you grade coffee and then how you tell, um, what the different flavor notes are, but also I'll run it through a Chemex. I'll run it through a drip. I'll run it through a bunch of different, um, you know, uh, brew methods to make sure that however, the end customer that I'm giving this to decides to brew it, it will still have the flavor notes or positive flavor notes that I was trying in that initial sample. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I want to like cold brew is i want to be better at being able to taste those different flavor notes and things. Sure. Like so, Absolutely. What about
0: just something simple like iced americanos or something? I
2: I like like i said i mean i i, I don't i don't hate them anymore but <laughs> i'm i'm coming around. It's just a it's just a coffee temperature thing, i don't know.
0: I get it. I, man. I, I like I like a hot
2: cup of, cup of coffee,
0: but at what point is it no longer coffee for the people that are like super heavy on cream and super heavy on sugar? Okay. Like the people that, that yeah. I'll admit I, I love yeah. me a Frappuccino from Starbucks from time to time, but Ooh. I drink it and I'm like, yeah, this. It's, it's, I yeah. might as well just go to Dairy Queen. This you're, is not you're, coffee, coffee, coffee. See, now, now
3: you're just pushing buttons. Nah, yeah. Now you're just pushing buttons. Now nah, you're trying so to so see how like, like, you can push like, down this hole.
0: At what point is it is so. it like, okay, that's, that's no longer, you can't even call it coffee anymore.
2: Against my better judgment and not trying to alienate part of my customer base, um, <laughs> it is acceptable to put milk in coffee. It is never acceptable under any circumstance to put sugar in coffee. There,
3: I wow. said it. I won't take it back. I said it. Wow. And wow. it's 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 interesting because we had this conversation. <laughs> All the time because (laughs) crackhead
0: coffee, 12 sugars, 11 creams. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, no, light light and sweet. That's not not coffee, that's
3: not coffee,
1: light and sweet. Gillen, light and sweet.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and I I we'd always just talk about how do you even know what good coffee tastes like, right? If you do that every time, (laughs) like regardless of where you get it from, if you're putting you know 12 (laughs) sugars, 11 creams. It's probably gonna taste like twelve sugars and eleven creams every time. Yeah. Uh, so you don't know what it yeah. what good tastes like unless you drink it black to know if it's really bitter or if it has a strong you know acidic flavor. Like you need to drink it black to know if it's really good or not. And yeah, yeah we have, but we do have so, customers who you know flavor it yeah. to, and, and that's okay. While, I mean, like
2: so, I, I'm being a little tongue in cheek when I say it. Uh, Again, I mentioned on our last podcast, drink coffee how you want to drink coffee. Don't don't let me be the judge of how you want to drink coffee. The only thing I will say before you ruin my coffee (laughs) is treat it like a steak. So I I like to compare it to a nice steak. Oh, that's good. You go out to a restaurant and you try a nice steak. You don't just pour a one all over it before you try it. So so try it first. And then if you decide to ruin my coffee, okay. I, I tried my best. <laughs>
1: that's good no, that's, that's a great knowledge. I,
2: I mean, if you if you if you do like if you like sweeter coffee, that's okay. Coffee's meant to be enjoyed, like you said, Phil. Take time to appreciate it, take time to enjoy your coffee. If that means putting hazelnut or French vanilla or sweetener <laughs> in it, that's okay. Um, but pumpkin spice, but no. stop. Okay, unicorn blood. <laughs> but I would prefer. Like for me, I'll have a latte every once in a while uh, with you know with some steamed milk and and stuff like that. Um, if if I'm feeling a little you know frothy, frothy, yeah. But for the <laughs> most part, it's it's black all the way. That's good, man. It's I've
0: good. I come with because of cigars. I I've, I've come to appreciate black coffee because I, and Phil, I'm sure will agree. Uh, there's really, in my opinion, nothing better to pair with cigars than than black coffee.
1: Yeah. If this show wasn't at the time in which it is, and having to wake, wake yeah. up early and stuff, like I would a thousand percent be having, you know, the colada right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have
2: to. Okay, butter, what, letter, what, what's, my, what's happening? A little butter.
0: What, <laughs> what? A little lakes unsalted. Come on. Oh man. A little crunchy crock. Jesus. If you're if you're health conscious, maybe some. I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Oh, just man. take some maybe some a spritz of some <clears> of that <throat> butter flavored PAM. Some oh, some God. honey
3: maybe, just honey? Just a little I mean, honey, I don't yeah. Know. but uh, yeah. Butter that's the See, new one. Am
0: that's I wrong new. in thinking though cuz there's been a few times where like I don't like to if I do add sugar, you know, I don't add a ton, but if I add cream, I usually don't add a ton <laughs> either, you know, milk or whatever, but I it seems like if you add a little bit of milk or creamer, that it seems to up the sort of the, it it tweaks the flavor and not in a good way, like it seems like you almost have to have none or a lot
2: is that i, I mean I, I don't I don't know about that specifically, but I mean it does definitely alter alter the flavor of the of the coffee itself, sure, um, but to what extent or how much you put in i don't know Maybe i like it the, that i don't i don't really drink milk with my coffee yeah I've, I've also
1: heard from people that they add creamer to I mean, I don't want to use the wrong terminology, but change the viscosity because they feel like the straight, the standard black coffee, maybe they, they maybe they make it too watery. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's,
2: yeah. and that's fair. I mean, like, like that's, that's what a latte is. Is it's that like thicker yeah. foamy? Um, I don't know how you would describe it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a different viscosity, a different texture to it. Um try, try it? Butter makes it creamy and smooth and mellows bitter coffees. Just get okay. better coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Ah, uh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'll try it. Yet. I'll make a video of butter? of butter coffee. There oh you go. Gosh. There you go. Y'all see me on Instagram? Passed out. Passed somewhere. out from uh, I had butter coffee. Oh Jesus. Ugh. All right, and 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 we will come back to this point. I survived a rattlesnake bite, and I will die from <laughs> butter coffee
0: so, <laughs> because of y'all. Yeah. Oh man, drink a nice cup of of. Vasoconstrictors on top of something to up jeez. your cholesterol <laughs> at the same time. Butter coffee, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've oh, heard geez. of people doing that. I've never tried it. I don't know. No, I've never yeah, every day for
2: it. a living, and that's the that's a first. Time.
1: I'm not with it, man. I'm not. Wow. Oh jeez. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'll drink some mud water coffee for sure, but I don't think I could put butter in it. Bullet proof. Bullet.
0: Yeah, not, not this. This
2: right, is not right, where right. I expected I'm this right, conversation right, to go. Up. <laughs> Butter coffee. Okay. Now,
1: I will say this: Have, y'all tried, Fair Fair ha- have, have y'all tried? Have Have you all tried the uh, the Turkish coffee where they have the hot coals under sand?
2: Yeah, yeah. I've I've tried it. It's and it's intense. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very strong. I mean, it's it. <clears throat> It's not espresso, um, but it's a similar, like, concentrated coffee. Okay. Uh, the, I mean, espresso is very specific in that it's pressurized coffee. Right. So right. it can't be espresso, but it's a similar idea where you've got a concentration of uh, a higher ratio of coffee grounds sure. to water. So it, it's definitely stronger.
1: So you're, you're getting a, a a thicker coffee without the, you know, what is it, nine pounds of pressure or something like that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nine, nine bars. Yeah.
1: Nine bars. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm dying to try. The problem is, I don't have anyone locally that, that does it. You
0: know? There's no Turkish place to get coffee around here. Well, it's I mean, South we Florida, do. We, what the hell? Well,
1: well, no, we do. I mean, I've got, you name the kind of food places around me. I mean, South Florida is a legitimate melting pot. I mean, every yeah. Central and South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, you name it, we've got food and drink from it. But yeah. to find someone like there are Turkish restaurants, uh, you know, and, and, persian restaurants but they don't have the sand bed yeah they don't they don't have the you know george foreman grill full of hot coals and sand on top it just doesn't (laughs) happen so right yeah no it's yeah that's
2: an intense process but yeah i've tried it and i mean again i'm not a super big i like light roast coffee so like that's not really my cup of tea i don't particularly care for like just straight espresso yeah i'll do it like i'll taste it um, mm-hmm. For the science of tasting coffee for my espresso customers. But um, if I'm drinking espresso, it's a latte.
1: Yeah. Um, so fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah. It's uh, funny. Our, our good friend Casey can, and he's not a big coffee drinker. And he had come down to my neck of the woods. And me and my fiance took him to like one of the best Cuban places in Miami. And, uh, you know, after dinner, we, we ordered some cafecito. And, you know, they give you the little tiny, the little tiny like uh, dentist throwaway cups yeah and i mean uh, let's be real i'll I'll drink the whole damn thing myself i'm an animal with it but we were pouring it out and he was like man this is really really good i was like yeah this is what good coffee is supposed to taste like yeah and at some point he accidentally spills the whole little vial over on the table and i threw my hands there i said what did you do and he's like oh oh my god what what did i do Was it expensive i was like no man it's like two bucks (laughs) don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) so it just i was just going to say is that it it doesn't to be good coffee it doesn't have to be expensive either, right? right. So, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. and Are and you pre- guys, well, I was gonna say your, your guys' prices as I scan the website and stuff, it's tip top, man.
2: Yeah, it's we. I mean, we try. Uh, the, uh, the the difficult part with coffee, not necessarily, is the price of the bag itself, but shipping, and that's where a lot of people get get yeah. tied up in it. Is that it's it's a fairly dense product, you know it. It's sure. a pound, right, yeah. for its size. It's a fairly dense product. So it does cost a little bit to ship. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. We try every method that you can think of, you know, using discounts and things like that with shippers. But, um, you know, we, we, try, we try to be as competitive as we can as a, as a sure. small batch, fresh roasted coffee company. So we're, we're not going to compete with Folgers or Maxwell House or stuff like that. <laughs> but That's you're getting a better a. product
0: as well, right?
1: So, oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What, what the hell is the freeze dried stuff that you see on the shelves that looks like fish food?
2: That's yeah. what it is. It's fish.
1: Instant yeah. coffee?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just super processed, like super ground up coffee uh, like, that's processed to, to dissolve. Uh, I mean, it. I guess it serves its
0: purpose. Like I don't see you, anybody buying that ever. My wife buys Someone's it when she goes it.
2: camping. Like she'll, my wife will go camping and she'll buy like the, the instant coffee packs. Oh, God,
0: Couldn't you just do a French press?
2: She, you could, but then, I mean, you, you would have to heat it. Like there's no, like electri- she'll hike, ha- like hike the Appalachian trail and there's no electricity. Right. So she'll like, doesn't want to heat a fire to heat up her coffee. So she'll just pour it in there. I don't know. I don't know what she does. She's crazy. <laughs>
3: She's very new, so I mean that's definitely a crazy. Then,
0: is there anything in particular you guys like to pair with coffee?
2: I to pair with. Coffee? I typically don't drink coffee. Like I drink coffee almost like as a dessert, like to enjoy. So I drink it kind of separately. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I drink with it. Not really. I don't predict. I don't drink coffee with food either. Um. Because yeah. I, I like again, I, I like I, I like the coffee flavor notes themselves. So I don't like yeah. like mixing them. I mean, I think I, you're gonna we're gonna talk about cigars and 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 I think that's to me that's the pinnacle of coffee pairing. Like honestly, I don't think there's much else that goes better than cigars and coffee because of what of the commonalities between the flavor notes and the regions where it's grown.
1: So yeah, that's right on spot. I love it.
0: It's just it's unbelievable what it'll bring out as far as flavors of the cigar, and I think that's mo- it's more so what it's meant for is to bring out the flavors of the cigar, and ne- that's necessarily both of them, sort of yeah. getting you're like you're not gonna necessarily smoke your cigar and then and then try the coffee and notice any I think major difference, but the coffee is like black coffee in particular, it's like it's a good palate cleanser, so you get yeah. so much more flavors and things that maybe you know, kind of like how how bourbon and scotch does too but i think more so with coffee because they are more complementary in terms of the, the flavors overall um and that's a good
2: point that was the point in the comments about pastries so I, I will i will like coffee cake or any cinnamon cookies or pastries i i will i will do that with coffee i do like the cinnamon yeah,
1: coffee one's coffee. augmenting the other
2: yeah yeah so so that that's one i will do that was a good point
0: so. i like it i like it as a pairing too because you can make it you know whether you're smoking something lighter like a connecticut wrapper or, um you know a habano which might be spicier maduro is going to be richer you know it yeah. seems to work with just about everything
2: so, you know do you want to talk about cigar pairings i mean i that we can talk yeah. about what, what coffee is sure. with cigar so so yeah so what from what i what i know and i mean i i occasionally smoke a cigar i i mostly i have a pipe that i'll smoke more than anything else um but like from a cigar standpoint uh, like a a lighter cigar you tend to match the cigar profile with the coffee profile so if you have like a lighter profiled cigar you tend to go with a lighter profiled coffee as well because you don't want those competing um, flavors to hit so um, i would tend to go with a lighter roast coffee for a lighter cigar um, look for something that's going to accentuate those same regions from where that tobacco is grown with the with the cigar. Um, so you want something that'll match. Like if you've got like a sweeter cigar, get something with a sweeter profile on the light roast spectrum of the coffee. Same thing with the medium. Go with a like a chocolatey um, coffee to accentuate the earth tones of a medium cigar. Mm. And then with the darker cigar, with a with a stronger cigar, go with that darker roast coffee because – you'll cover up a lot of that bitterness of both with that roast flavor of the coffee, as well as the stronger profile of the, of the cigar. So,
0: and actually, so Drew Estate makes a, it's, it's the Tabak line and it's coffee infused cigars. And I'm not, I've never been big on flavored cigars or infused cigars, but those, those Tabaks are actually really good. And the Macanudo M's that they came out with semi-recently, It's another sort of coffee infused flavored one that was actually really good. And it's because like when it comes to the flavored stuff, I like, I like those flavors to be much more subtle. I don't like the super in your face, sweet, like the acids are. Yeah. I like it to be much more toned down and sort of just be in the background a little bit. And the tabox do that really well. And I think, I mean, those were sort of made to be had with coffee in particular, but I've also taken some like bundled cigars and then taking just some whole beans, I think they were like Starbucks or something, this was a couple of years ago, put them in a Tupperware and like covered those those cigars in this tub and left them there for about a month. And A, I put one of the bigger Boveda packs in there that's supposed to help keep humidity in there, and that thing was bone dry after like three weeks. Like, wow, those yeah. beans just absolutely... Oh, it'll suck it up, sponged yeah. sponged yeah. it up, like it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the cigars were a little on the drier side, but damn, they were good. Like They were cheap, like $3 cigars. They weren't anything crazy, but oh my God, those were phenomenal. I want to do it again. That's I just want great. to figure out a better way to to keep them hydrated.
1: And then those, those Drew Estates, do they soak the leaves in coffee?
0: I don't know exactly what their infusion process yeah, is. That,
1: I mean, I know it is a legitimate infusion. It's not just a flavor additive like most of the other ones are, mm-hmm. which is why I think we like it so much. <laughs> you know, aside from having that coffee aroma, um, <laughs> you know, but there's like some of the other ones like the, the was a uh, wild rose or whatever.
2: I mean, they, they could use like a coffee oil. Um, yeah, okay. And in, instead, so like actually using the, like an essential oil, but mixed with coffee. Okay. And that, that could help like infuse the leaves instead of just like, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not familiar with the cigar process as much as you guys are, but I would assume that like soaking it in coffee might be detrimental to the the integrity of the of the leaves yeah yeah. Yeah, i don't know
0: a lot of these companies with the infused stuff they usually don't tell people how it's done i mean like the acid line stuff they'll tell you it's infused but they don't ever tell anybody how it's infused right people have been smoking those for 20 plus years and it's the most popular cigar of all time but i don't know because i wonder the same thing because those things are awfully sweet you know it's like Yeah, yeah too sweet it's like yeah did you spray it with a can of axe? Like what what is this?
2: <laughs> yeah. Optimal brewing temperature for pour overs two oh two Fahrenheit.
1: Excellent. Very cool. See, man, like I would have never even thought of that. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I think that's also why I like cold brew and iced coffees, is just because like the 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 ability to just take it and go. Like I don't mind pour over either, but it's also got to sort of get a head start on it while I'm doing other stuff in the morning and like wait for it and like with the cold brew I can just fill it up in the fridge and then
2: yeah yeah Yeah. I mean the key thing with the pour overs is you you don't want like boiling water but you want close to boiling water so either you can have a temperature controlled kettle that will kick it off at uh, 202 to 205 or you can just take the lid off of the, let it, the kettle boil and then pop the lid off for, you know, 30, 45 seconds and then pour it out.
0: But, and yeah. is the point of that temperature so that by the time it goes through and is like ready to be poured, it's kind of where it needs to be. Like you're sort of going it, it, It's an
2: extraction than- thing. Okay. So
0: it,
2: yes. So the, the reason why you take the top off is to let it cool down to the point of between 202 and 205. Um, 200 is not bad Two 200 is pretty close. Um, really once you start getting into the one nineties, that's when you'll start to see a, a decrease in extraction. So if you, as you decrease the temperature and, and that's what cold brew is doing. So it's, it's extending the period of time that that coffee needs to be in contact with the water, uh, in order to optimize the extraction. So the, the warm of the water to a point, which is, you don't want it to be boiling cause it, it will, um, it will like
1: Scorch cause it. some,
2: yeah, cause some some yeah. um some bad flavor notes to come out. But other than that, um, you don't uh, you don't want it to get um, below about one ninety. Otherwise, the water won't be in contact with the coffee long enough to optimally extract the coffee. So,
1: yeah, yeah, hmm. I find myself uh with you know using a small mocha pot like almost every morning, and I'll listen for it, and when I start to hear it. Then I'll 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 lift the top, check it, and just kind of sit there and watch it, and yeah. let it get to a certain point. Obviously, I'm not temping yeah. it, you know, but yeah, just keeping an eye on it. That take that extra thirty seconds to watch it, so I'm not messing it up.
0: Yep, yep. Love it. Well, we are at the two hour mark. Uh, where can people get a hold of you if they want to order some coffee?
2: Yeah. So you can come see us in Timley in March. Uh, we'll be there all weekend. You can also go to www.coldbloodedcaffeine.com. Uh, check us out on Instagram cold-blooded caffeine Facebook cold-blooded caffeine. You can send us an email sales at cold info coldbloodedcaffeine.com. <laughs> yeah Happy awesome. to hear from you. love talking coffee. so if you have any questions, That we didn't get to, feel free and check out the podcast on YouTube. Check out the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Spotify. anywhere you get your podcasts. I've been enjoying that.
0: You know, I know you guys are only like two episodes deep, but yeah. I like hearing sort of just like with cigars. Like I like hearing how there's processes to to certain ways to do it and and
1: technique.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just just be ready. We nerd out. We'll go deep. So But I mean, we'll, we'll always try and keep it reptile relevant to some level, or or talk about something, uh, you know, with animals if we can, if we can tie it back in. So we won't completely throw you down a rabbit hole. What, it's good though, man. S-
0: side note: what what pipe tobacco do you like?
2: The the one that comes in the little pack. I mean, I don't know. Nah. Captain, Captain <laughs> Black. The, what was that? Sorry. Captain Black. Yeah,
0: that stuff's yeah. really good. I don't it's care what anybody says. It's Captain Black is delicious.
2: I mean, it's kind of like you can't really find a whole lot around here of just like yeah. like yeah. other. I mean, I can get Captain Black anywhere, but I get the the I like the blue one. I don't the one in the blue pack is my favorite.
0: It's probably some uh, sort of Navy Flake or something. Yeah, I don't know. but It's all good.
2: I don't smoke all that much. It's just like <laughs> when he makes me
1: mad or makes me work
0: too long.
2: You know.
1: <laughs>
0: starting to have more <laughs> <I know.
4: laughs>
1: it's good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, we definitely appreciate y'all coming on. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. Thanks for having us. We appreciate
3: yeah. it.
1: And we, we got to get McKendrick a snake at some point.
3: Everyone's I, been saying I got to get some kind of representation. I, I don't <laughs> want him to get a snake. I want him to get something like weird. Like he's got to be
2: that guy with that thing. If he's only going to have one, he's going to be a reptile guy. It's got to be like, I don't know. I've I'm, I'm been thinking like rock iguana, like the guy that walks around with the rock iguana. I know, yeah. I need yeah. I need ideas. So forget Gator about questions in the comments. Put <laughs> reptile ideas for McKendry Yeah, man.
3: Yes, this is gonna be a <laughs> that's gonna, gonna become a thing this spring. I can feel it.
0: Good, good, cool. excellent. <laughs> All
1: right,
0: thank you, everybody. Thanks, we will be guys. Back. Right, Thanks, guys. Thursday, I believe we're going to try and fit in a Corn Stars episode. We have something lined up for THP the following week to be determined. So, Excellent. Check out the new episode of Venom Exchange Radio.
1: Yeah, episode 13. It's
0: really good. It's very interesting.
1: It's a short episode, so it's it's, it's easy. On your way to work. Give it a
0: listen. Right. And uh, thank you all. Bye,